Well, I just want to, I'm running a bit short on time. I want to unburden and offload everything that is in me. I think it's something that I've really felt I have for, especially Dolan. And I, I want to say thank you for Dolan, the leadership, and Sarah for inviting me. Uh, I know you've got full programs, but I haven't been around. My apologies to this church in particular, because um, I should be circulating. But the last three years, planted a church, or a new church, in Port Alfred, built a new building, and uh, trying to build up the congregation. So that's been, you know, right over my head, and uh, I've apologized to the other, re- other assemblies as well. So please just understand that I, as soon as this is wrapped up, by the end of the year, I believe I'm going to be free again and move around and get to know the various uh, people and leadership again in the assemblies. Let me just say that the whole assembly, just quickly, because I haven't got time, uh, the whole... Uh, of the region has over the last 10, 11 years, there's been a tremendous uh, transfusion of young people taking the place of older folk and the older generations like myself. And this has taken the church to a new level, the churches to a new level, they're growing, people are coming in, it's uh, an advanced time, a time to really, really look to God for big things that the growth may be completed. into the core of the church and also to look to God for open doors in the community. So that's the whole... Thank you. Okay. 24, nearly 25 past. Uh, I should be starting five past, but okay. So what have we got here? To what time? Hmm? Sorry? Uh, Oh. Have I got 24 minutes? Okay, and counting. Okay, just to tell you a dream. Just to tell you a dream I had last night before I let go and we get into it. I had a dream of all these young people coming into church and uh, senior guys are sort of up here and they down there, but they're chasing after us. And uh, I was on this ladder and it seemed as if this ladder was going to heaven. And I'm climbing up this ladder and I could hear some rumbling down below and the ladder shaking and I could see these guys coming up the ladder behind me. And uh, Dolan was right in the front. And uh, I could see my son and others that have come in below. And he was chasing me. And I thought, no, I'm going to show this guy. So I started climbing, climbing, climbing. And, but he was gaining on me, gaining, gaining, gaining. I thought, no, I can't let him get me before I get to heaven. And as, as we were about five meters to the top of this ladder, wherever it was going, I was waiting to see St. Peter, and about five meters to go, and here was Dolan, squirming between the ladder and myself, so his head was through, I was on his shoulders, and he, he got me to the top like that, and we jumped over, and there was St. Peter waiting for, to welcome us, and I thought, what an embarrassment, here I am on this young guy's shoulders, and he's going to welcome me, what's he going to say? He said, oh, welcome, Robin, just put your donkey over there, and then come follow me. <laughs> okay, let's get into it. Um, I just want one scripture up, just that first scripture. Thanks, those at the back, just put it up. Mark 4, verse 35. 
And it's Jesus, he's saying, he's on the shore of Galilee, it's evening, looks like a storm is brewing, and uh, it's, it's, it's getting dark, and here he turns to his disciples, and he said to his disciples, let's cross over onto the other side. If you remember nothing else this morning but the other side, you would have got the message, because this is what it's all about. The other side. There are always two sides to a story. This side of the story, the other side of the story, always two sides to a story. And Jesus is on this side. The church is on this side. Everything else in the future, everything else in the future, whether it's personal or whether it's the church or whether it's the world, is on the other side. We haven't reached there yet. Can I have an amen? So the other side is so relevant, it's always there for all of us, and we've all got the other side to have to face. Now, i just got three sections. One, why the other side? Because the other side is biblical. Number two, the other side is the position for mission. It's not this side, it's the other side. The church is a comfort zone, and from the church we move out to the other sides that await us. And so the position for mission is on the other side. And it's biblical. And thirdly, it's our destiny. And that applies to everyone and anyone. And I, I want to kick off by saying this. It's biblical because the greatest commandment is to love the Lord thy God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. Your neighbor is on the other side. Uh, it, is the, the, it is the Great Commission. Uh, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Go into all the world. Where's the world? The other side. And it's also the purpose of Pentecost. The Bible says in Acts 1 verse 8 that uh, uh, Jesus is saying, the power shall come upon you and you shall be my witnesses. Listen to this. You shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. Jerusalem, you don't stop there. That's your comfort zone. Judea, you go to other faiths and so You go into Judea, other cultures. You go to Samaria. That's other religions. And the uttermost parts, you go into the world. So you are crossing over onto the other side. If you're not, the church will never advance. And the reason is, is it's, it's biblical. Jesus has placed the, our identity to, to, to link with this mission of the other side. He said, you shall be my witnesses. Where do you witness? You don't witness your side. You don't witness where everybody's saved. You witness where they're unsaved. You witness over on the other side. That's where the mission is. And Jesus himself set the example. Philippians 2 verse 5 says that he thought it not robbery to be equal with God or something to hold on to. But he made himself, first of all, he made himself of no reputation. Here is the God of all reputation. He makes himself of no reputation. He had to go over on the other side. Took upon himself the form of a servant. I mean, God a servant? God is Lord. He doesn't serve anybody. Everybody serves him. He's throned above every other throne. He is there to be worshipped, and he makes himself a servant. Took upon himself, a, and then it took on himself a form of a man. He, from deity to dust, he took upon himself a human body. He's crossing over onto the other side all the time, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. I mean, God humbling himself. Before who? He's God, but he helped over on the other side. And having humbled himself, he became obedient. I mean, God, obedient. To whom? No, 
to go over on the other side. He is showing us what it's going to take to get the church in position for mission so that we can be the effective light of the world and the church that the gates of hell will not even prevail against. Can I have an amen? This is going over on the other side your whole life. When we walk out these doors, that's when mission begins. Can I have an amen? Over on the other side. Over on the other side. And Jesus is the supreme example. Now, the position for mission. Position is everything. In strategy for anything. You've got to be in sport. You've got to be in the right position to play is vital. I played rugby all my life. And uh, my young life. And, they, uh, and position is everything. You look for the gap. You sell a dummy. You, you kick the ball in this open space, which our players don't do. But you kick it in the open space to get the right position of the ball. You attack from a certain position in the field. You try and get in their half, etc. Tennis players, it's all about position. Not in position, you can be the best player in the world. So it's all about position. The very planet Earth is in the right position for life. A fraction further, it'll freeze up. Fraction closer to the sun, it'll burn up. Position is vital. And the position that God wants to put us in is over on the other side. That is what, here's our brothers from the Gideons, over on the other side, planting where? We're in hotel rooms, wherever they can, to get the word over onto the other side. And God talks about, Jesus talks about fields. The fields are white and ripe for harvesting. Where are the fields? Over on the other side. And the laborers are few. Why? Because to get over on the other side is inconvenient. It's not pleasant. It's, it's going to take time. It's going to take energy. You've got to get out of your routine. It's, it's, it's something that costs you. So it's not very popular. And you must understand when Jesus said to these disciples, going over to the other side, he's going over to a need over the other side of Galilee. Gennesaret, same thing. And there's a demoniac there. He gets there. And the demoniac, now listen to this, the demoniac is over on the one side. He sees Jesus over the other side. He comes to, he has to come to salvation by going over onto the other side that pertained to him. Now listen to this. This man is filled with about 2,000 demons. A lot of demons can enter, but let me tell you. You look at the world and you wonder. Anyway, 2,000 demons in this. Do you think those demons want to get anywhere near Jesus? Never. If anything, they'll keep him back. But here's the key. If you want to get over the other side, you know what it's going to depend on more than anything else? Yes, you need the Holy Ghost. Yes, you need God's unction. Yes, you need the calling. Yes, you need the uh, inspiration. You need all that. But you have got a desire and will yourself to get over. That man inside was screaming in torment, cutting himself stones uh, uh, with stones and, 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 and so on, cutting himself breaking chains. He was a demonized, I mean, horror movie character. And uh, here he is. The cry comes out of his heart. Not 2,000 demons could hold him back from getting to Jesus. Don't tell me you can't go over on the other side. Don't tell me you can't just get it there but early. Do something that you don't normally do to get over there on the other side. It's the desperation, the desire in your heart to get there is going to be the key to you getting over the other side. That's what it is. Now, there was the example. But now, the action. Church can be boring if you just in on your side. You can have wonderful programs. You must have programs. It's not an either or, but it's a both and. I must, must get into 
the fields and where the action is. And the action is on the other side. Where did the disciples, where all the miracles take place? Zacchaeus come down from that tree, blind Bartimaeus, son of David, son of David, calls him out, he heals him. What about the woman, where they get Jesus? In the street, the crowds all around him. Over on the other side is where the action is. Give me an amen. The most exciting times I've had has been over on the other side in some situation, in some place outside the church where things have happened. And that is where God needs the action to be. In the church, yes, but that's a means to the end. This building up the body of Christ in the most holy faith is to empower us, inspire us, and drive us out to the other side. Because the world needs saving. Church doesn't need saving. The world needs saving. We've got to get over onto that side and the field. He said the kingdom of God is like a man who discovers a treasure in a field. And then for the joy of it, he goes and sells all and then buys the field. What is he saying? You know what he's saying? He's saying it's a picture of Jesus. The treasure, the church is in the field. And Jesus comes along and he's got to buy this, this, this treasure. He's got to save this world. So what does he do? He's got to buy the field. You see, the field comes with the treasure. People want the treasure without the field. You can't get it. It's part of the course. You've got to take the field in which the treasure is buried. Where is the need? Over on the other side. You've got to buy that field. You've got to accept that field, embrace that field. And that's why Paul says in 2 Corinthians 9, you can read the whole chapter, he says, I become all things to all men that I may, might by all means save some. And so to the rugby players, he spoke rugby. Uh, to, 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 the, to the ballet enthusiasts, he spoke ballet. And he did, he did all these. He, and to everybody, to the weak, he became weak. To the strong, he became strong. Uh, he came under the law to those under the law. And he became, he became those that were out of the law. He became as out from the law, but not the law of God. And so he was there in streetwise amongst the, in the field that needs to be bought. And you know, when Jesus bought that field, it says he covered it up. Why did he cover it up? Because you can't have the treasure without owning the field. It's in the field. That's why Jesus' great commission, go into all the world. That's where the treasure is that needs to be saved. So Jesus covered it up in a sense. He hid it. And Jesus went and bought the field. And we died on the cross and shed his blood, and all that agony, he was making the purchase of that treasure. And that's why it was hidden for a while, for three days, but oh boy. Once the sale had been completed, once the deal had been done, the stone of the tomb was rolled away, graves opened, and the resurrection, people came out, and they said, I bought it, it's done. The last words on his lips were, it's finished. I've done it. He did the deal. And now we are saved. That's why you're sitting here. What about those out there that are needing, needing our witness? Need our witness. You see, the identity of the church is in danger of being covered by other identities. I'll tell you what. Witness is the identity of a Christian in this world. I've got to be a witness. That demoniac begged Jesus. Can I just have the second part of that scripture? Watch this. After he'd been delivered. As he, uh, after, if you can just put the 5, 18 to 20 on there. But he, he begs Jesus, please let me come with you in the boat uh, with you. 
I'm just wonderful. He's part of the church. He's in the church. And he, he just loves it. It's just throbbing with the, the, the feeling of being born again. He doesn't want to stay where he has to say. Jesus said, no. I want you to go. And I want you to tell all your friends in Decapolis, 10 cities there, you, you be a witness for me. And Jesus gives us the principle of priorities here. And that is, it's more important in, not just to come into a comfort zone and enjoy the blessings of the church within, it's more important for the kingdom of God for you to go out as a witness and witness to the glory of God to others. That's, that's where it's at. So the action is all there. And here's another thing. Serendipity. Uh, where am I here? 9.50. Oh, 9.48. Okay. <laughs> Here I am. There's another aspect. In the field, there's a thing called serendipity. I don't know if you know what serendipity means. I'll tell you. In about 16th century, a man called, uh, I think, Harold Walpole coined the phrase. He was writing to a friend, and he, he was using this phrase. And the phrase comes from an ancient island called Ceylon. We know it as Ceylon in Sri Lanka now, but it is called serendip. And the fable is a Persian fable. The fable went that there were two princes on this island, and they went everywhere exploring. They were uh, full of adventure. And that's what a Christian should be, by the way. He should be looking for opportunities. He should be a guy that can't sit down and just be, man, he's got a, he's got a commission to fulfill. He's got a life. He's got to live out. He's got to fight a fight. He's got to finish the course. He's got to keep the faith. You've got to be driven when you're a Christian. You can't not be driven. It's something inside you starts disturbing you. I'm constrained to preach the gospel. Why? Because the Holy Ghost is in you saying to you, come on, come on, there's someone else. Hey, you hear what that person said? Maybe you should just follow him up. It's constant. I don't know. My wife says, why can't you sit still? Why why you always got to? And I say to myself, am I like that? But I probably am. Because I want to live full but die empty. You know what it's like? I, I don't want to get to the end of my life and I'm getting to the stage where I think I can see the sun sort of starting to go down. And, but I'm nearly, nearly, nearly getting to that stage where I think of these things. And I don't want to die with stuff that's still unfulfilled. And you see, in Ephesians 2 verse 10 is the all-consuming scripture. Ephesians 2 verse 10. It says, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which he has prepared beforehand that we may walk in them. And I want to tell you, there are predestined footprints for every single individual in this place that God has set for you before the foundation of the world. When you came into the world, there's a set of footprints that's going to lead you into the fullness of what God has for you. And when someone steps into the footprints, the predestined, and the predestined footprints. When you put your foot in there and you're in the right place, in the right position, at the right time, all glory falls on you. All power falls on you. I had the first church. I just came in there. I didn't know anything about church, but my foot was in the footprint. And I tell you, your footprint is in that footprint. That's why things are happening. I'm not talking to you. You're not doing anything. You are. But you are in that footprint. That's why it's happening so quickly. That's why it's happening so much. There's hardly any effort in it as far as growth concerned. You've got a little working hard behind the scene. But you've got to get into the footprint. There's such a thing as God works and good works. It's no use just doing good works. I could be in someone else's footprints doing his work. And God's saying, where are you going to get to your own? You look after other vineyards, the proverb says, what about your own? 
What about your own? Are you in the footprints? You better get in the footprints or they're wasting your life because you must fulfill his will. The first words, I'm sorry I'm, I'm rushing. I'm, I'm against time here, six minutes, but I've got to get this to you. Uh, that his first, Jesus' first wor- words were in the synagogue as it was a temple. And he's with all the scribes and Pharisees and they're marveling at his wisdom. Meantime, his family are on the way in their caravan. They look around, where's Jesus? They can't find him. And they go beside themselves. And they start looking for him and whatever. And they get back and eventually they find him there. Now, Jesus was about 12 or 13 years old. Now, hear me. He's there about 12 or 13 years old. It's his bar mitzvah time. It's time where he's not just the son of the covenant when he gets circumcised, but he's going to be son of the law. And when you're 13, he could join in and say amen to the things being said. He could read the Torah for himself. He had permission. He had become a man. At that time, where do you think he would be? If his parents have forgotten, if his parents haven't put the, the, the emphasis on it, he's not going to let it go. So what does he do? He answers quite abruptly. What do you think? I must be about my father's business. I must be about my father's business. The anointing of God has come upon me. I'm now ready for the rest of my life in my father. And you worried about me not being with a caravan, going with you, when this moment and this time has come about for me? And that's what he was implying. But when you read that, you think, she's a bit abrupt to these parents. I would, I would be just the same. You would be as well if that same calling was upon you. And then when he died, what did he say? It's finished. What was finished? His father's business. It finished everything. Everything. Every prophecy, everything that had to be fulfilled. It's finished. I can go. There's nothing more here for me. That's when he went. Now... I want to say, it's also not just the place of the serendipity. And when I got onto the serendipity, it's this, that you come into a situation where you're aiming for, you're aiming for buying a car and you end up that you inherit a whole suburb. They would go out and look for things and come back with stories that far exceeded the expectations for the original goal. Haven't you sometimes put your hand in your pocket and you put a 50-buck note? Wow, didn't expect serendipity. What about David? David going to give lunch to his, his brothers on the battlefield. And what happens? He ends up killing Goliath and becoming the great warrior king of Israel. Legend. The greatest king that ever lived in Israel. Yes, Solomon is more prosperous, but he was the greatest king. Going to take some lunch. Can you see how serendipitous here? You think you're standing at the door just giving out some pamphlets or something to people and doing that. You may come across someone who says to you, oh, hello, and says, change your whole life. What about Saul? He goes, looks for his, his father's donkeys, and Samuel ends up anointing him the first king of, of, of Israel. Serendipity takes place all the time. Edward Jenner, Dr. Edward Jenner, was in once when he was a, a, a young, young guy. He was in the barn with his girlfriend, and they were talking and whatever. And, uh, and they were in a barn, and she said to him, 
She said to me these, these words, I will never get smallpox because my dad told me I've had cowpox. And once you've had cowpox, you won't get smallpox. Nothing happened for years. And then Dr. Edward Jenner, in the plague of the smallpox that's taking place, those words came into his mind. He investigated it, and Edward Jenner found a vaccine and so on for a cure for that. Serendipity. That's where it takes place, out in the field. Out there, David, looking for donkeys, Saul looking for donkeys, David going to give lunch to his brother. And then, of course, there was this, I must tell you, Jesus, of course, is the example of all this. A great example. Coming down and inheriting all things. And here is a little story, just to excite you, that in England there was a parish priest that was getting nowhere. He had about five people left in his church. He said, I've got to do something. I'm going to go out across over onto the other side, and I'm going to do something. And he went over onto the other side by going to the pub and sharing in the local pubs. A month later, there came this big heading in the, in the local newspaper. A priest, a pie, and a pint. Right across the headlines. The whole community within one month was more impacted by this priest going across over onto the other side, how would he have got all that positive feedback and impact if he hadn't gone over to where they were? They loved him. His church started growing, filling up. He crossed the road to the other side. Oh, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Okay, I better close with this. I'm going to miss something out here, maybe the next time. And I, I, I want to tell you something about the current of heaven. It's our destiny, you see. There's a current of heaven. I'll close with this. And I might just be a minute. I've got one minute left. Might be one other minute. God has put us in a current in this world, and it's a current of heaven. When did this current come? On the day of Pentecost, there was a little group of people up in the upper room. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the room in which they were sitting. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And tongues of fire sat upon each of them. The current hit the church when they were in that little room, upper room. And the power of that current blasted them out of that place over onto the other side, amongst all the multitudes going to worship at the church. This God blasted them out from their side in, onto the other side, and they began to preach, and then, as you know, Peter stood up and 3,000 got saved. Why? They were in that footprint. They were in that footprint. A little bit later, 5,000 got saved. Why? They were in the footprint. Nothing mattered. They just wanted to get the gospel out, and things began to happen, and from that moment on, a current was flowing through this world, the current of the Holy Spirit, because Jesus said, it's expedient all to your advantage that I go to heaven, because if I don't go, I cannot send the comforter and only once he had died and resurrection set, and he could, on that the day of Pentecost, when the fullness of time had come, the current was sent. And we are caught up in that current. That's why you're here today. You're in the current of God. And it's going to carry on until God's current goes over onto the other side. Where's the other side? You know where the other side is? You know where the other side is? The other side is the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of God, the trumpet of God. 
and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And we which are alive and were caught up together to meet the Lord in the clouds. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. The current is come down. It's flowing. And there's coming a day when that rapture is going to, that current's going to go over onto the other side and take us into heaven. That is what is going to happen. We're in that current. So what have we got to do? We've got to get right into the power of that current. Ezekiel 47. Read it for yourself. No time. Here's what Ezekiel says. The, the angel came to Ezekiel and the river of God, the current of God, the river of God he saw coming out of the right hand side of the temple, always the right hand where the, Jesus is, right hand of the temple flowing into the world. That's the current of heaven. And he said, come with me. Now you must get into the When can the current have an effect on you? When you're in the river. It's no use looking at it. does nothing for you. You've got to be in the river. So what happens? Here he is. He says, come on. So he takes him a thousand meters ankle deep. He says, no, come on. Here's another line. He takes him in another thousand meters knee deep. And not, not, not enough. He takes him and he gets into his waist, waist level. Waist level. Now is the third time. He's right out in the river. But God's not happy. Come on. So... He starts going, and the Bible says that these are waters that he couldn't stand in, and he couldn't even get over on the other side. They were waters to swim in. What is he saying? While you can still walk on your feet and keep yourself, current can't get you. Ankle deep, how much force is on your, your drive and motivation force on your ankles? On your, no, you've got to get right into the depths where you're out of your depth and you're in the current of God. That's being in the spirit on the Lord's day and heaven opens and this opens and everything on the other side that God needs to show us and do for us, it opens because we go over onto the other side. And when you're in that current, the current drives you. You Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And the current will take you. And man, it's so wonderful when you're caught up in the spirit like that and you don't feel the effort and you don't feel anything and you just see the impact of that current and what it's doing in the church. That's where you are. That's where I am. It's over on the other side. And how do we get there? One word. In Romans chapter 8, 26, this is what Paul says. He helps us. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. I want to get over it on the side. I want to get into that river. I want to get over where God has predestined me to be and nothing on this earth, below the earth, and whatever is going to stop me. Now, the Holy Spirit comes. You know what that one word help means? Wonderful word. Divided into three sections. Sun anti lambonamai. Listen, sun together with. Anti opposite over on the other side. Lambonai. Grab, grasp, the Holy Spirit comes and takes hold of me like that. With me. Takes hold of me and with me. Not from a distance, Betty Midler, wishing God from a distance, no. God takes me together, takes hold of me and takes me over. Onto the other side. Not by might nor my power. I would pray for you now, but I just want to close with this. Listen, whatever you take home, take this home. It's over on the other side. Find that other side for you now. Get into the current of God and enjoy 
the ride. The glory of God. Amen. Amen. Amen.